So we start a new series called Proximity, and uh, it's interesting about this series because when I wrote the Birds of a Feather series, that's very much about who you flock with and what you're near, and we did that one just a few months ago. But in that series, there was like the second layer that started to come to me about proximity, and I was like, oh, I can't fit it in the Birds of a Feather, but where will we put it? And uh, we had a series scheduled for this month uh, that we ended up pushing back, and so I I took what God spoke to me in Birds of a Feather and said, let's make it work in this. And so what I want to talk to you about... And I don't want you to think in our normal way of thinking when you think about, oh, if you hang out with the right people, you'll be blessed. Kind of take the birds of a feather series, the birds of a feather flock together. Take that one and put it aside because I want us to look at it in like a deeper level. I want us to kind of do a 2.0 in this idea of proximity. And here's what I'm talking about. It's easy for us to be near something and not be close to it at all. Let me say amen, right? So there's a lot of power in this, oh, you uh, birds of a feather flock together, who you're near, what you're around, even some of the verbiage we set up there. There is truths in that, uh, and we'll actually talk about it more in the next couple weeks. But you can be near something, but not close to it at all. An example is, um, a lot of times with my wife, I'm a, my love language, like I'm a hangout person. Let's just go do something fun, we'll hang out, we'll just be hanging out. And um, I won't even tell you what my wife's love languages are, but um, she... <laughs> But so, so she, you know, she needs a little bit more hug and touch and stuff. And, um, and so we'll spend the whole day together. So I, you know, I took you to the mall and I shopped and we went to lunch and we did all these things all day long. And then we'll get home at the end of the night and she'll like come sit by me. And she'll be like, I feel like I haven't even been with you or seen you. Or I'm like, what? <laughs> you sat in the car next to me for 10 hours. What are you talking about? I was very near here, but, or I was in proximity to her, but I wasn't close to her. And like the, in the heart ways, in her heart ways, in the way that she... And so it's interesting when you look at scripture, God makes a lot of promises about, I'll be near you. So I'll never leave you or forsake you, or God says he'll draw near to us. But he says, I'll never leave you or forsake you. So how can you draw near? If he's never left you, how can he use the verbiage about drawing near to you? How's that possible? And uh, you also know he's got his disciples and his followers and his people. And there's this time where he's getting ready to go to the cross. And he says, hey, guys, you're with me. Will you just stay and pray? And they failed him. Those guys would say, I was with you, Jesus. I was there. I was with you. But he wasn't really in, in, in their hearts. They weren't in proximity at that time. There wasn't a closeness at the inner layer of their life. Amen. You can go through the routine of the church thing and not be nowhere near where God actually wants you to be in that. Somebody say amen. You can go through all the motions of it and pretend like I'm in the right place and do the right thing. But if you're not obedient in that, where you're really supposed to be in that, if your heart's really not engaged in it, then you're just going through the motions, right? We've all been, you know, uh, just walking through or forcing relationships. You maybe spend a lot of time together, but you don't spend heart time. And uh, you may have been near each other, but you weren't close, amen? And so I think God, when he talks about, I'll never leave you or forsake you, but then when he talks about drawing near, he talks about being at your heart, being at your passion, being at the thing that you can't stop thinking about, amen? Uh, Literally, uh, like even yesterday, there's a difference between when I watch my team play a football game and I watch another team play a football game. I'm watching football, both, right? I'm watching one team, that I'm very passionate about. And then I'm just watching the other team kind of win, almost barely get it done. Uh, but, but there's two games, there's two games and I'm watching football, but there's a difference in how we engage 
heartfelt into that thing. And so that's what I'm talking about, our proximity, not just being there, but being there, being engaged in it. Amen? And so there's this idea that I want to play with here because it's really strange and God does this. And so uh, Genesis 26, but I don't even really want you to turn to it. Maybe just make a note uh, to look at it later, but I'm going to pick through this. And so I don't want to try to jump all over the screens and I want you to kind of be focused. So just follow me in this, but maybe get to it later. But Genesis 26 verse one, it says, there was a famine in the land besides the famine, besides the first famine that was in the days of Abraham. So let me read it to you like this. There was a famine in the land, or there was tough times in the land, besides the first famine that was in the day of Abraham. So the writer here is saying, like, they were in a position where there was tough times, but it was also a tough time that they could remember back to the last time they saw a tough time like that. So the writer's pointing out, hey, these people were facing a tough time, and they had a memory of a tough time that looked like this last time. How many have ever faced something, and it was scarier because you had a memory of it looked like that last time you had to go through it, right? And so the writer's pointing out like, hey, you, they had a tough time. And not only did they have a tough time, but they had a memory of a tough time that this happened before. And I want to say it to you like this. I've, I've been, we have these moments where this memory comes up and we go, oh, I've been here. I've been here and it was really hard and it was, and it was a famine and it was really dry in my life and it was really painful and it was a really dead season. And I have a memory of that and I don't want to go back to that. So what I'm going to do instead is I'm going to depend on myself to control this instead of letting God navigate me through it. I'm going to set up scenarios and safeguards where I make sure I don't have to go through that again. I'm going to control it on my own instead of trusting God. How many have ever done that? Oh, I feel like it's going like that again. So I'm going to quick bring it in and I'm going to control this instead of depending on God to lead you through it. Uh, In my life, Man, ministry is wonderful, and I live for it, and it's who God created me to be. But it's also very, very hard and painful and grueling and not fair. Somebody say amen. And, uh, and so, uh, so, we've, so we made it. We're here, and we have you, and we love you, and we're so grateful for everybody that comes. And, uh, and we have our kids, and we got to buy a house in a city that we love. And so we've made it. It's safe, and here we are. Okay, great. And God's called us to do a lot of really hard things in our past and climb a lot of mountains and fight a lot of devils and do a lot of painful things and bloody our knuckles and all this kind of stuff he's called us to. And, and we've trusted him and we've gone through it. And he's, okay, so now we're here and we're happy and God's made it and this is wonderful. And then all of a sudden God starts working again. <laughs> and all of a sudden as you're walking and you're happy and you're just like, hey guys, I, I, I think we're coming up on another mountain <laughs> I think that's like a huge mountain that God's calling us to use our faith and climb over and conquer through or to use our faith and tell it to move. So because I have a memory of what it was like last time and the pain and the frustration and the struggle, because the enemy doesn't want to just give over the community to you, right? He doesn't want to just release people that are, you know, you got to fight for it and you got to contend. So the scripture says that Christians, the violent, they take it by force. You got to go get it, right? Amen. So here we are walking and we see this thing that God's put in front of us. And my memory says, "Eh, you know what? We could stay where we are. I like it. It's good. I like you guys. Most of you guys. I like you guys. (laughs) So I like most of you guys. Let's stay here because that, I have memories of that. We had an opportunity with our staff, some of our team. God, God put this crazy, ridiculous thing in front of us in the past couple weeks. It's just this mountain, like, oh, here we go. That's crazy. That's crazy. 
And so we had this opportunity to go be a part of this thing. And so we went as a team and we were walking around and we're looking at all these opportunities. And as we're walking through, we're going like, that's terrible. That's ridiculous. That would be so hard. Oh, like, that's impossible. We could never do that. Like, that's way out of our league. You know, we're only a year and a half old. We should, like, that's crazy. That, and so we all spent all this time looking at all these opportunities. And we talked about how out of our league is and how ridiculous and how all this. It's famine. There's famine, 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 famine. So what we were saying. But much to the proudness of the people that serve here, we walked around and we talked about how ridiculously out of our league all these opportunities were. And then without saying anything, we gathered up in a circle and we grabbed hands and we started to pray. And we said, hey God, we're in, let's do it. This is stupid, I can't calculate, it's ridiculous, it's way out of our league, this will probably never happen except for unless you do it. But we got together, we joined hands and we said, God, you can do this. We're with you all the way. Like, let's do this. Because we didn't let our memory of what the other stuff looked like determine where we were going going forward. The proximity in our heart, our heart proximity was set on the blesser and not the circumstance. Oh, you get a lot of amens there. Good, guys. Our proximity of our heart needs to be set on our Savior, not our surroundings. Our decisions need to be made based on this is God and what he's capable of. Not, oh, this is my memory. This is the background. This is the scenario. And it's all God. It's like, I don't, okay. So moving forward. So, he, so we can't make decisions based on, oh, I need to control it. I need it because the past said this. So in verse two, it says, then the Lord appeared to him and said, so it says, there's a famine in the land, the days of Abraham, you have this memory of it. And then the Lord appeared to him and said, here's what I want to tell you. You in your life, need to live in such proximity with God and your relationship with God that you have your own said from God. It, it's one thing to read scripture and have an understanding of the Bible and understanding of Bible study, but it's another thing to get something on your own from God. Somebody say amen. You need to live in a proximity with God that in your heart, he speaks to you. Now everybody's like, well, I'm not a pet. Listen, it's moments where you recognize that God is God in your life. You don't have to come up with a sermon. You don't have to write a worship song. You can walk on the pier and look at a sunset and hold your wife's hand and go, God, you're amazing. I just had revelation of who you are. Look at what you do. If you can do that, you can do this in my life, right? You need to have God's saids in your life, God's revelation to you in your life. Personal revelation is the thing that helps you get over situation. Amen? So you got to have your own God said in your life. And so God said, do not go down to Egypt, live in the land, which I shall tell you. And then he says what it is, verse three. He says, stay in this land and I will be with you and bless you for, for to you and your descendants, I give all these lands. That's my son acting ridiculous. <laughs> Charlie. Uh, boy, <laughs> go to your room. <laughs> So stay in the land that I, that, and I will be with you and bless you. And for your descendants, I will give all these lands and I will perform an oath, which I swore to Abraham, your father. First of all, thing here, when you're willing to stay in that, so he says, stay in the land of the famine. doesn't look right. doesn't feel right. You stay in that place. And then he puts a whole bunch of ownership on himself. 
Every time God calls you to a hard place, he's putting you in that place because he wants to take ownership of things. I will do this. I will do this. I will do this. If you trust me and are obedient, the ownership goes on God. Somebody say amen. But the beauty of it too is not only is it for you, it's for generations under you. So not only is it a good promise, I'm going to take care of you, but I'm going to take care of your descendants and on and on and on. That's why it's important for us to be in proximity to God and what he speaks to us and acting in obedience in those ways. Why? Because it affects future generations. Amen? We always look at like the next promotion or the next natural thing. We look at that. We don't look at a famine situation as the way that God's going to move us closer to him or move us into proximity with what he has for us. Oh, if I could just get that promotion, if I could just, we're always looking for the way out of where we are. But God in this case says, no, stay there. He says, stay there. Well, I want to go here. And I want to go. I see it in ministry all the time. People come in and they have a word from God and I'm called to be to this. I'm called to be to that. And then it gets hard and you have to trust God and you have to be obedient. And the next thing they do, I need to go over there and I need to go over there. And they want to go to the next flashy thing. Why? Anybody can go be a part of the flashy thing. That's the easy thing to do. Why don't you be somebody who stays and builds? Somebody say amen. I think stability is the stability that God's looking for in the church. People that are just willing to say, I'm going to stay. I'm going to stay in this ministry. I'm not going to be a quitter. I'm going to stay when it gets tough. It's fun when it's new and it's flashy, but I'm going to be a person who has stability because that brings the stability that God's looking for in the church. Amen. So anybody can just jump over to a part of something easy, but he calls them to stay. Verse four, he says, and I will make your descendants multiply as the stars of heaven. I will give your descendants all these lands and in your seed all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. Obviously, you know, we're talking about lineage here in his seed, but I'm talking to you about when God's called you to do something, you have to put seed in the ground. God, oh, I'm believing for this breakthrough. Oh, I'm believing for this next thing. And I believe you're going to do this. Great. What are you investing? What are you sowing? What are you putting in the ground? Because you can't plan on a harvest until you've put in a seed, right? Amen. I say, and I'm not talking about money all the time. I'm, it's good for us to sow financially if you're believing through financial breakthrough, but I'm talking about time. You come in and you serve and you sow and you till and you put seed in the ground. Why? Because God promises if you test him in planting your seed, he'll pour you out a blessing. He literally says, try me in this one. You put seed in the ground and I'll make sure that there's a blessing there for you. Amen. So we got to be people who make sure we have seed in the ground. We keep waiting for the next great thing, but God says it's in your seed. You want the next great thing? Sow it, invest it, pray into it. Number five, or verse five, it says, because Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. So all these things are promised because of the obedience of Abraham. And his standard, listen, Abraham's blessing was there because his standard was based upon what God said, not what culture said. The blessing in your life is going to come when you make decisions based on the standard of God, not the standard of culture. So many times I get this excuse. Well, at least we're not like so-and-so. So God called you just to compete with so-and-so. He created you just to make sure you were a little bit above them. <laughs> or did God create you for your own great things? Somebody say amen. We need to be saying God's statues, God's What does God say about your life and, and through script? What does God, hold yourself to those things, not those things around you, amen? Verse 12, then Isaac sowed in the land and reaped in the same year a hundredfold and the Lord blessed him. He sowed in tough times. He sowed in tough times, why? Because he understood proximity to the blesser is more important than worrying about the battle. 
making sure you're close to the blesser and in proximity and at heart with the blesser and God than it is worrying about the details of the battle. Amen. Amen? He sowed in tough times. He planted when all hell was breaking loose, when stressed, when he didn't feel like it. it was same thing in our lives. When you're stressed and you're tired and you're angry and you have unforgiveness, you need to sow the seeds that God called you to sow into those things, even though it's a hard time. Amen? Verse 13, it says, the man began to prosper and continued prospering until he became very prosperous. Our standard is not like, oh, the Lord blessed me so much. I barely scraped by last month. Thank God for my provider. I barely made it. That's not God's standard for you. His standard for you is he wants you to prosper and become very prosperous. Amen. This is, this is, the, this is the family. This is the descendants where he said, I'm going to make your name great. I'm going to make you a father of many nations. This is like the example family. And he's saying, hey, I'm going to make you so prosperous that we're going to call you very prosperous. Verse 14, for he had possession of flocks, possession of herd, and a great number of servants. So the Philistines envied him. So in the famine, it's important for us to know that God has been here before. In your life, you need to understand when it feels dried up and hard and how's this going to happen? How am I ever going to restore the marriage? How are we ever going to get out of debt? How are we ever going to heal the family? How are we ever going to make the relationships right? This looks hard. This looks dead. Point back to this and go, they sowed in the famine and God made them so prosperous. The word, I mean, prosperous here, it was so successful. Are you with me today? So in the famine, you can sow and God can make it so successful. That's why all throughout scripture, it says God and it mentions he's the, he's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It always points back to the deliverances that he did even back in the famine. But the famine times in our life, they, they cause us to be in proximity with God instead of our natural surroundings. I believe sometimes God has to empty our hand so that we can lay hold of the things that he has for us in the kingdom. We get these blessings from God and we hold on and we hold on and we hold on. And God's got this new thing for us. And you're like, I'd really like to have that, but I don't want to let go of this. And sometimes famine land causes you to just use up everything that you have so that you can grab hold of the thing that you really need to grab hold of. And I'm not the person that's up here who's going to say, God loves to test you and beat you and make you go through. I'm not that preacher. But sometimes there are times where God puts you in seasons where the proxy, you got to just draw in. You got to draw near. Amen. Sometimes you have to empty your hand to lay hold of the things, the kingdom things. There's only some things you can learn through a famine. I love this. Isaac was told to stay because faith is not learned in a lab. It's not learned like in just something that you, that's the problem sometimes with Bible school students. They go through all their Bible school and then they get given a church and they have no game time experience and they get torched. Why? Because they haven't gone through the faith and the trial and the testing. And I'm not saying that's the case for every Bible study. I'm not saying that at all. But I'm just saying sometimes you have to go through the real life scenarios. That's why I sometimes have a problem with conferences. Christians, you know, they love to go to conferences. Uh, I'll go to another conference and I'm going to be in this thing and I'm going to, and it was so wonderful and it was so amazing. Was, okay, great. And I was so inspired and I was, so, and that's great. But if you don't come back and put that to practice in the famine and in the seasons and where you really got to do something with it, then what's the point of it? Amen. And, and so uh, faith isn't, you may be inspired and your faith may be encouraged at like conference or at those kind of things or a Bible study or you get a great book and it speaks all this to you. That's awesome. We do that. But there also has to be a time where you take that and you trust God when you have to walk through a hard time. Amen. 
Your faith shouldn't only grow at conferences or Bible studies. or It should grow on dependency with God or proximity to God. Amen? Sometimes we need a storm in order to bring his rain. But not rain spelled. I'm talking rain spelled like his rain. Sometimes in our communities, just things happen or stuff. And if the church can be the people to respond properly, not walk out to the Rocky theme song, if we can respond properly, maybe it'll bring the rain into our community that our community is so desiring. Maybe the famine and the dryness and the hardness that our community is dealing with, and I'm, I'm talking about community, our nation, everybody, not just Zealand. But maybe if we can be the people who, who endure, then God sends the rain. Amen? Dries things up. Jesus, check this out. Jesus was nailed to a cross. That was a bad day. And then he went into the tomb and the day went from bad to worse. But in your life, when you, think, when you feel like things go from dead to deader, get ready for the resurrection. So many times, that's where we quit. It's like, oh, it's dead. It's over. It's dead. But that's when God's getting ready to do the resurrection. That's when God's getting ready to show up with his resurrection power in your life. Amen? We quit when we get to the dead, or we quit when we get to the famine, and we run over to the next easy thing. But God's saying you're going to miss out on resurrection power. Amen? Hebrews 6.12, it says, by faith and patience, you inherit the promise. We love the faith part. I got so much faith. I got so much faith. But the number one word used with faith in scripture is patience. Because you just got to trust God, trust God. Stay in proximity, stay in proximity in your heart to the things of God. And then you will inherit your promise. But I got faith, I got faith, I got faith. Whoa, there's a famine. I'm out. I'm back over here. I think I need a new church. My pastor just doesn't preach it the way he used to. He told us we were getting new chairs. (laughs) He's a liar. Uh, by faith, the snail made it onto the ark. Think about the little snail just trying to get his way. Everything's jumping, running past. But he said, God said, I got to get on this ark. I know I'm going to make it. Somebody say amen. Sometimes you're going to have snail days. I'm just going to keep on snailing through this. Amen. But even Jesus in his wilderness said, it is written, He had to speak the word. He had to speak what God said in this wilderness. I know that it is written. I shall worship my God. When it feels like dead ground and it looks like dead ground, that's when we need to make worship decisions. Amen. That's why the Bible says we walk by faith and not by sight. Scripture said, Abraham considered not his own body was dead, nor Sarah's womb was dead. Why? Because he was in such proximity with God that he understood what God is saying is real. When he said, you shall be the father of many nations. I'll close with this. Mark chapter 10 gives us this promise as we're closing. I understand famine times aren't fun times, but I do know this. If in your heart, uh, you can make a decision to say, oh, there's that mountain coming again. Like reload the guns. We're going to go take another mountain. I have a memory of what it was like going up that hill. I have a memory of what the, but I also know that if I stay in proximity with the God who's leading me, we can do it. The scripture says, as we talked about last week, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but in all ways was, with, was tempted without sin. He's been there. He knows what it's like. He's the God who can say, yeah, me, me too. Let's go do it. Let's go take this mountain. It's going to be rough. They don't have little Caesars up there. We got to like get through this thing. It's kind of like watching a Spartan game. It's going to hurt. Oh, you guys hate me so much. It's so fun. <laughs> okay. 
So, so stay in proximity. Stay. It's going to be hard. He's going to be with us. He's going to be with us. He'll never leave us or forsake us. He draws near when we reach out. He can lead us in that. And Mark chapter 10, verse 27 talks about Jesus talking about this. It says, but Jesus looked at them and said, with men, it is impossible. Which, I mean, just you can close the book there. I don't know why you even look to anybody else or the next help book or the next thing. With men, what you're trying to do is impossible. But not with God. For with God, all things are possible. Verse 28, then Peter began to say to him, see, we have left all and followed you. I had these memories over here and I had some good ones and I have all these. We left all of that to follow you. Verse 29, so Jesus answered and said, assuredly, I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake or the gospel's sake. It's going to cost you something. Verse 30, who shall not receive a hundredfold now in this time, houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and land with persecutions and in the age to come, eternal life. But if you don't give up in your famine, if you continue to stay in proximity with God and trust him, those things he's speaking to you, the scary things that you're like, God, you're really calling me to that? You're really calling me to that? I don't know. With, with man, it's impossible. With you, I could see where it's possible. Those things that God is calling you, that kind of proximity is the way that when you do that, you walk like that, God says, I promise I'll take care of you, not just in eternal life, but here now, I will make sure you don't miss out. Somebody say amen. We look back, we go, oh, I've been in this faith fight. I've been trying to climb this mountain. I feel like the last two years have been a blur and I've missed out and I've had all this stuff. No, God's keeping track of all the things that you gave up to be obedient. And he promises that now he'll return that to you a hundredfold. Don't quit on your famine, amen? Because in that famine is a hundredfold that God will return back to you, amen? Trust God. Storms prove what's built to last. Psalm 34, 19 says, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. Your famines, God's gonna deliver you out of them, through them, however you wanna say it, over them, whatever it is. Stay, now listen, there's times obviously that God calls you, hey, that thing's dried up. It's time for you to have a new season, go a different direction. But a lot of the times God actually calls you to go through it and trust him in it. Somebody say amen. And he promises you, if you stay in proximity with him, he'll deliver you from your afflictions. Some of the greatest victories will come from your greatest obstacles. I thought about when Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water, this ridiculous thing. Here's why it's important for us to be people that trust God and wanna be so in proximity with God. Peter's on the boat and Jesus walks up to him and he goes, hey, there's Jesus. He's my rabbi. I need to be doing what he's doing because I've learned that I need to stay in proximity with my savior and Jesus. And I need to, so call me out onto the water. And of course, we know that he sinks, but he was a person who was an example to the others in the boat that, hey, I got to be a person who stays in proximity with Jesus. And he walks out on the water and he sinks. But the scripture says this, for the first, when he got back in the boat, so Jesus picks him up, they walk back into the boat. Because he did that, when they get back into the boat, it's the first time in scripture that the disciples acknowledge Jesus as the Messiah. Why? Because they saw Jesus do something in an ordinary person. They saw Jesus do the miraculous in an ordinary person. 
And it caused them to go, wow, this guy truly is the son of God. In your life, when you trust God and you stay in such a proximity with him that he's able to do miracles in your life, it's going to be the thing that in your neighborhoods, people can go, wow, God must be real. Look what he did in their marriage. Look what he did in their finances. Look what he did in their community. God must be real. Amen. So that's why it's important for us to stay in proximity and stay close and stay near, not just around, but near, but close proximity to God's heart. Amen. Why don't you stand? Why don't you bow your heads and close your eyes? I'm going to offer up an opportunity to pray for you. But with nobody looking around, everybody bowing their heads and closing their eyes, there is one opportunity in Scripture that God really talks about proximity. And He talks about in our hearts, there's this invitation of salvation. And He says that all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And He also says that if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, you're on your way to heaven, your sins are forgiven. So basically what it is, it's like if you, being here now, make a decision to say, you know what? I want to be in a near proximity with God. Maybe for your first time in your life, you're making a decision to be a follower of Christ. Maybe you've kind of slipped away and, and you haven't been near or, or today you want to make a decision to reconnect with God. But I want to give you the opportunity to pray that prayer of salvation. I'm not going to have you come forward. We're not going to have you take a class or do anything embarrassing like that. All I'm going to, all I'm going to have you do is pray a simple prayer but a simple prayer that is a huge prayer that will change your life. We're actually all going to pray it together so you won't be singled out or anything like that. But when I count to three, I'll have you raise your hand. You say, yeah, today I want to pray the prayer of salvation. You want your sins to be forgiven. You want to be in relationship with God, committed uh, to being a Christ follower. If that's you with nobody looking around, I'll see it and then I'll, we'll, we'll pray it all out together. But if that's you here, you say, yeah, today I feel that nudge. I know that I need to make some decisions to be near to God, to choose him as my Lord and Savior. If that's you, on three, raise your hand. One, two, three. Anybody in here see that hand? Cool. Anybody else? Yeah, anybody else? Cool. Yeah, very cool. Great decision. I see that one back there right on. Very good. Great decision. That's what we're talking about. Going from just being someone who's around to somebody who's near at the heart of God. Cool. So here's what we're going to do. Those of you that raised your hand, pray this prayer and believe it in your heart that today God is changing you for the good. Just removing that stuff, that sinful nature of that stuff. And today you're a Christ follower. And so all of us together, let's repeat after me. Let's say this. Say, God, today I choose you as my Lord and Savior. Help me to walk with you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name.